0: And be sure to access the link in this episode for access to all its giving content. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to It's Giving, where we discuss the latest in TV and film. I'm your host, Brandon the Introvert. In this episode, we're going to be discussing Atlanta season four, episode eight the goof who sat by the door. <laughs> So this episode was written by Francesca Sloan, who was also the head writer of Snipe Hunt, which was the previous episode at the campgrounds with Earn's family, Earn Lotti, as well as Karen Joseph Attic, and directed by Donald Glover himself. Now, this episode isn't necessarily a traditional one. I mean, none of the episodes are traditional one, but... This episode, I feel like, would be best done by just, it's just gonna be like thought spitting. Basically, this episode was in a documentary style without the main characters and under the banner of the BAN, Black American Network, which was shown in first shown in season one, episode seven, where Al was having just the transgender talks. And retrospectro was the transracial person. Basically, he was a black guy saying that he identified as a 35 year old white person. And then you had all their like commercials just addressing like police brutality and just just re- just various topics, topics of blackness pretty much. It was a really that's one of my favorite episodes. I like from one, I like animation, I like goofiness. and I feel like ban season one episode seven, just took you it took you where it want wanted to take you but all over the place but it was still good and the only the main difference is it anchored one of the main characters so this episode is a standalone away from the main characters as i said before so this episode was about a Also, just to preface, all of the information, not all the information, maybe, who knows, but the person who it is about, Thomas Washington, he's completely fictional. This is just a stand-in of sorts for a way for Donald Glover, I feel like, to convey a lot of different things, but we'll talk about that. But basically, yeah, it's a documentary style about this guy named Thomas Washington who grew up in East Atlanta, and he grew up to be an animator turned Disney CEO who was responsible for spearheading the production and creation of the first, Disney's first Black movie ever, a Goofy movie. And I found this to be funny because I feel like online and just like among other Black people, like we feel as though, and I definitely said something similar on Twitter a while ago, but The Goofy movie, it just feels like a Black movie. There's just some movie like Robots, that felt like a Black movie. You know what I mean? Even though it wasn't a Black movie, but it felt like a Black movie in a way. So Goofy movie definitely has that distinction of not so much being Black, but just is Black, you know? Especially during that time in the the mid-90s and stuff like that. There wasn't any, besides Lion King, there wasn't any, like, Movies that were that had undertones of blackness, so I feel like Goofy Movie was the perfect setup for this plot. So, throughout the documentary, we see that Thomas Washington he struggled kind of with accepting himself not accepting himself as a black person, but he struggled with his blackness, he struggled with feeling as though he was an outsider to his own people. And then he also struggled with the struggle of his own people. So it was like on internally, he was an outsider externally. He's still dealing with the everyday problems of a black person. So it's kind of that conflict similar to what Donald Glover has kind of scattered about throughout this series about Urn and, you know, who might be a stand in, in some ways for Donald Glover and his identity, especially how other Black people view Donald Glover as well. I feel like he's a very complicated Black figure. But anyway, he kind of struggles with this internal, external identity of self and just a conflict. And he kind of remedies this conflict with revolting through art, revolting through animation, and trying to tell the stories that he wants to tell, tells, to, tries to give it the style that he wants to, and in doing so, giving his own people that justice. And he kind of uses Goofy as kind of a conduit and a channel for that. If anything, Goofy, I feel like, was used as his avatar in this, uh, in this way. So he revolts through art in this very, very white industry also known as Disney. And it's very interesting. Disney kind of purports itself to be, especially now, like really trying to increase diversity and whatnot. But we see there hasn't been any Black, full Black characters, at least in the Disney movie, since we're just talking about Disney movies right now you know, Princess and the Frog, their first black movie, that was what, in 2008, 2009? And most of the time she was a frog. I believe it was a runtime of 23 minutes where she was an actual black person, an actual black woman. So we have that movie, and then we have Soul, which came out, I believe, at the end of 2020, I believe. Yes, in the 2020, and most of the time, he was just this blue, amorphous, vague figure. He wasn't a Black person. So we have stories like Princess and the Frog and Soul where it's a disembodied character. It's not a full, living-in-the-flesh Black person. And not to mention Soul was taken up a lot by the his little white uh, uh, sidekick, the other little Soul, who he kind of spent the entirety of the film helping. And in Princess and the Frog, she had, you know, was kind of a serving kind of the black friend to kind of the white, rich, right? rich prince, Creole princess. She was a frog most of the time. And she just had the, you know, the father died. Like, you know, the mom was working, you know, working as a maid and stuff. Like It was just like, this is the first black film you give us. You, you take us back into the, the 20s and you kind of have her as this like. Stereotypical black figure who had to struggle so much, and then is the you know the secondhand friend to the white like. But the sad part is that's all we had. That's all we had to go off of. So we just took what we could get. You know, even Mama Odie having like you know the the voodoo black voodoo. I feel like it was done in a very like stereotypical like like not matter what they look like don't even matter watch a right, like do, you know what i mean so and don't get me wrong i find the film it's entertaining but we like for the first black disney film you know what i mean we there was no nuance i feel like there was no distinction it was just kind of the same stereotypes repackaged you know what i mean but i can go on about that and you know and with soul as well but in general we still haven't, I feel like, had a full bona fide Black movie. So the fact that they're kind of tackling this issue within Disney and shit, maybe other animation studios, but right now we're talking about Disney, I feel like is very timely. And I feel like they always hit the, I always forget, the, hit the head on the nail. Hit the nail on the head. Hit the nail on the head. Hit the nail on the head with just doing timely stuff and then depicting, like, issues, topics, and Blackness in a very, like, nuanced and very well folded in way like without being too I feel like I said this in the past couple episodes but without being too like blatant without being too like the same basic I feel like they do in a very original thought-provoking way in a way that kind of just makes you think I think I said this before on one of the posts as well on the Instagram but like the way Atlanta kind of conveys a lot of black topics is in the way I just said like it makes you think. It's not trying to make you it's not it, it's not trying to make you think, but it makes you think. You know what I mean? It's not trying to make you think a certain way. It's just laying it out there, usually in a comedic way, maybe a suspenseful way, but it lays things out there for you to be like, hmm, huh? You know, and I feel like doing that kind of piercing through that your walls <laughs> pretty much, I feel like is the beginning for you to for someone to think in a whole different way, so I feel like if you can do that, then you already, you know, you're already successful. Basically, that is kind of the the premise of it. You have a, a black animator who gets in control, gets in power to do a black film on his own terms. Now we're just going to get into it. You just get into a discussion because like it's a documentary style. So it's, I'm not going to do like, okay, in this scene, in this scene, because it's, I feel like just like the last episode, I feel like everything kind of merge merges together. So it's hard to kind of separate distinct things. There's not even like a B, a plot, B plot, C plot. It's like a one whole story with a lot of elements blending in together. So, but yeah, let's get in, let's get into it. So Basically, the setting of it, it it has to do with the, the early 90s Rodney King riots. And I just feel like there's always these balloon events in Black history where, you know, police beatings happen all the time they happen all the time but I think the only difference between these balloon events as I like to call them is like it just gets nationwide recognition it gets everybody talking gets everybody on the same accord similar to George Floyd similar to Breonna Taylor in the 2020s you know similar to Ahmaud Avery similar to Trayvon Martin you know so I I call that a balloon event and I feel like that was one of the earliest at least in modern post like post civil rights history, as far as my young ass knows, I feel like where it really got people talking and it really had people thinking about their place in as a black person in American society. I feel like post civil rights, like sixties, seventies after, you know, civil turmoil, I think I would assume black people thought that, you know, okay, if I could just work hard, get this job, be, you know, college, whatever, do the American way, I'll be treated as an equal. But time and time again, we see that that's never going to be possible in this, in this society, in this American culture, that's never going to be possible because the DNA of America was made for white men. Simple. White. Old, wealthy men, usually white wealthy men, but that's not going to be possible. So I like to view these balloon events, referencing the Rodney King event, that kind of chips away at the Black American consciousness and kind of chips away at that idea of like, okay, if I do this, then I could be accepted. I feel like these events over time have chipped even, you know, traditional Black people over time and made them realize like, no, I think, now this is a tangent. I think politically, I do think it's chipping away at Black people and kind of gearing them more towards kind of a radical type of mindset, or at least as radical as can be in this day and age, especially younger Black people. But I think what holds back the traditional, traditional Black people, I think is uh, religion. I think traditionally Black people Older black people are just they they see, okay, we're treated as a nigga in this society, but the Lord is gonna fix it all. And I think that's what kind of buffers their action and kind of dilutes their action. But that's just I'm just talking about the grand scheme of things. But yes, balloon events, I feel like like the uh Rodney King topic. Like you can't talk about the 90s without talking about that. So I think that went the way they kind of folded that in into the story, I think it went very well and it kind of gave a an apparent motive for Thomas Washington to revolt in his own way. And I think with that element then connects to now Thomas Washington's love for animation with Goofy. Now we have his internal struggles as a black person feeling outsider. We have him seeing the problems that his own people are facing. Then with the Rodney King kind of catalyzing some things and kind of, Giving some fire to his breath, I feel like now we see him connect this fire to his love for animation. And like I said before, he kind of used Goofy as his avatar for this. Now that was very interesting to think that he viewed Goofy as a as a black person, uh, as a nigga, pretty much. Uh, and it makes sense; it completely makes sense. Goofy has always been viewed as a minstrel, has always been viewed as slow witted, dumb uneducated, good heart, serving, servile, uh, subordinate even, especially when it comes to Mickey and Donald. Not taken seriously, not given actual chances, always the butt end of the joke, a literal dog. So, and not, like I said, not equivalent to Mickey or Donald. He is the gag. You know, so I feel like, especially the fact that he was made in the 30s, he was, I can definitely see, even though It's not officially stated, from my understanding. I can definitely see him being like, oh, yeah, this is a nigga. And they just got away with it, you know, over time. And I feel like with the way they had Thomas Washington conveyed, he had a resonance with Goofy, even though Goofy was viewed this way into the white white public, the white media, the white mindset. I think he saw there was potential in Goofy, and he saw there was a love in Goofy and an authenticity in Goofy that resonated with him. And I feel like, which allowed him to kind of realize like Goofy is a nigga, like all of us. So I think in his way, by kind of changing that image of Goofy, he felt like he was going to change the image of black people, specifically the black man. And yeah, I feel like he resonated with Goofy as a fellow black person, but, I think most of all he resonated with Goofy as himself. Like Goofy, uh, he had Goofy. He didn't necessarily have Goofy portrayed as a black father, but I think he did have Max before the Goofy movie. I think he did. So, but Goofy was viewed, you know, as a good father. He's an outsider. He's different. Uh, he has a son named Max, he even, you know, named Max apparently after his son and i think with his resonance he used goofy as an avatar to show that there are black people specifically in this case black men that are not polarized either like what they said in the documentary either hyper especially in the 90s the way black men were portrayed especially in the 70s um and i feel like that's always been a thing when it comes to black people telling our own stories between like the 70s 80s 90s uh black people portrayed as like black men portrayed as hyper masculine and then they said in the 90s then there was kind of this like kind of subversive queer type of mockery as well like kind of like like a feminine black guy but who was always the butt of the joke who you know if you were emotional you're the butt of the joke like basically anything that was an antithesis to hyper masculinity which i feel like all of that overall is very polarizing so, I think that with this Thomas Washington character, he wanted to portray black men as this mix of different things, authentic, loving non polarizing for sure, underdog who still be through the odds is still successful in their own way through spirit and love and love for their family, which I feel like that's what Thomas Washington had. Like even though you might feel like an outsider, you might feel like an underdog, you might feel undervalued, like you're still a winner in your own eyes because of what you prioritize and who you are. And I feel like he used Goofy as that. So I think with when he when he, with his rise from being an animator to CEO, it was definitely I found it pretty cool. I found it very funny at times and stuff like that. It was pretty funny, especially with the confessionals from his like cousin, his mom, uh, some of the CEO members and stuff like that, the animators. It was really cool. It was really cool to see like, even though the story was fictional, like this could be a thing. I mean, I think the mix up, the CEO mix up that probably wouldn't have happened in real life, but it was pretty cool to kind of see his dreams come true. And now he has this dream and now he has the power to enact this dream in the most, in the biggest way ever. So we see just scenes play out with him, you know, trying to teach his fellow white animators, how to, you know, draw black people, how to move like black people, how black people function. He really tried to instill what a black person was and a black character was through a lot of different methods. We see uh, throughout the the little mini documentary. Now, it seems like things were going okay, and he also tried to like implement what. Uh, um, basically, the story was a black father and his black son going on a road trip, and. I think he wanted to inject a lot of black culture into it, What it, music. I think there was one part where he wanted to, uh, he wanted Max to see the Huey Newton, a Rattan throne. He wanted Tevin Campbell in there. And I, I think what eventually led to a spiral, I think he took it too far when it became something where he was trying to prove something to himself. And it wasn't just okay for my black people, for my black, for my son. It became, it went from that, from like an innocent, you know, still radical, still intentional, still purposeful, um project, energy, momentum, to then it, it, it I think the power started to corrupt a little bit. I think he took it too far when it started being about himself and kind of like I don't know whether he was proving it to his younger self I don't know I I don't know if he felt like he had to have the blackest thing ever and that just the pressure kind of took over him but I think that's when he starts to spiral. like what they said in the documentary there were no descriptors for what he was experiencing you know such as depression and anxiety there was no kind of language or at least common language to say, okay, hey, you need a mental health breaker. You need to like, what's going on? You need some therapy, you know, therapy, you were viewed as crazy, you know? So he didn't have that type of support. And that's a big thing in the black community. I think now therapy is completely like commonplace and no one is viewing you different. If you're in therapy, that's the thing now, but in the nineties, no. So I, I think a lot of, it's interesting. Like he I feel like Donald Glover has this character be a champion for black people, but still go through the struggles that plague black people, but not being um, obvious about it. You know, I feel like a lot of black men go through depression, anxiety for a lot of different reasons, especially if they're given the tools of power, you know what I mean? In a white industry, in an industry that isn't healthy for a black man in the first place, which might be, Also, not might, it does contribute to kind of that breakdown, you know? So I think there was a lot of different factors, but I do think one of the biggest ones was the fact that he was trying to prove to himself, like with the gun in the suitcase, trying to say he has to remind himself who he was. I feel like going around town, talking to these like far, far down the line, black radical groups, like, and and straight up like gangs, as they said, um, went to the Nation of Islam. So he was just going through these different, like, black groups. He, for black groups where he probably felt like he probably looked up to somewhere along the line as, like, true black groups. You know what I mean? So I think he was just, he didn't, at the end of the day, I don't think he truly believed. I think he probably did believe in himself, but then I think it ended up in a place where he didn't believe himself anymore. And he kind of just fell away to what he thought blackness should look like and should be and i think that just ultimately corrupted him um and we see the the final nail in the coffin was the fact that he was trying to put a police brutality scene where goofy gets shot by the police pulled over and it's like yes these things do happen but that's not our only story and i think he kind of was trying to put especially you know that's the first black movie ever i think he really tried to put what black people go through all in one and i think that overwhelmed him in the long run and i think his his identities within himself kind of ate away at him which ended up being the death of him i think he was already mentally psychologically dying and then he ended up from what we can assume kind of fell victim to suicide so overall i've really enjoyed the concept i've read in the a concept about black kind of black revisionist history i kind of like that I, i kind of like how we're kind of viewing things not just in a different angle but now we're kind of changing the narrative like literally changing the narrative and i have not seen that done before and it's like at this point why not you know white people change the narrative all the time and in this one in the way it's done it's like it's like it's not obvious that it's like fictional but it's fictional but it can still be true you know what i mean like goofy being a black person i feel like that's a true thing um as evidenced by what i just said about goofy and then, you know the goofy memes that we saw like bitch, is this how you live like goofy can be a black person I feel like a Black CEO trying to make the first Black movie would go through uh, at least similar issues um, psychologically, in a, like I said, in an industry that's not healthy or not built for a Black person, let alone a Black person in power. All, all the CEOs in Disney, they've all been white men. All have been white men. So I feel like a lot of the stuff isn't too far off and then even down to the level of how the goofy movie is today. Like, you know seeing, you know, a black executive make it about a father-son dynamic and having Tevin Campbell and some other, you know, instances, oh, the the performance with the performative, um performative kind of in illusion, kind of how black men have to feel like they have to perform to prove their blackness. And I feel like that's also what led to Thomas Washington's demise in this uh, documentary. I think he became, it became more of a performance at that point. It became Goofy was your avatar and now you became you became a character and with that with becoming a character like we saw he was kind of literally he thought he was goofy at, at later down the line and I think with being a character he the goofy movie became something where it became performative in the sense that this is what blackness looks like Instead of just sticking to just being genuine. Like he felt like this is what I have to put out. You know what I mean? So I really enjoy kind of that different type of storytelling. I've never seen a type of story done in this way. And they're going to get a lot of praise for the direction. But the direction was really good. Like it felt like a real documentary. The scenes that they use. The clips that they use. Like it really makes you. Even though you know it's fictional. It really makes you second guess. Like was this real or not? And I feel like. I'm going to always view the goofy movie in a different light. I'm going to always think there is a Thomas Washington out there. And yeah, it, it, it's something, honestly, where you have to marry. It's going to take a while for me to really like get my full spectrum of emotions out with how I felt about the episode and just the story they were trying to tell. Like, It's going to take a minute, but that's what I have for you. Now, with the breakdown, I feel like this was a parallel just how Thomas Washington kind of had Goofy stand in as an avatar for him and resonated with Goofy. I feel like Donald Glover kind of used this Thomas Washington to show... It was it was kind of a little love letter to himself, but then like a tragic love letter to himself in a way. But I do feel like hopefully Donald Glover kind of escaped the traps that Thomas Washington went through. Maybe it's even like a... a uh, 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 Damn, what's it called? Um, damn, what's it called? Oh, telltale, tell, a telltale tell warning story. You know what I mean? Um, um, Like a warning, maybe a warning of how, you know, power might corrupt. And if you don't stay true to who you are as a black person, accept the t- type of black person you are and accept the blackness with you, you might be able, you might be, you might be prey to falling under pressure of what you think blackness should look like without taking consideration who you are. So I do think that was a parallel to Donald Glover. We saw in cancer attack, I believe the fifth episode of season three, the white boy kind of mentioned that, uh, earn talked differently from the rest. And he would assume that, you know, earn felt different from the rest of his, uh, black people pretty much. And the ending of this episode, we saw that Thomas Washington's wife basically said, like, at the end of the day, he just wanted to be a part of the family. He just wanted to be a part of his own people. So I think that wanting kind of ended up getting at him instead of just accepting this is who he is. And, you know, the black people that's going to accept you are going to accept you. The black people that aren't, aren't. So I do feel like Donald Glover is kind of like using this person to using this person to write about himself in a way i feel like donald glover is a i would even go as far to say controversial more so for the younger black people the older black people they just they see him off a community they see his comedy specials they see he got a show on atlanta i mean he created atlanta i don't think they're thinking too deep of him they see the childish gambino song you know this is america all of that like i don't think they're thinking too deep of him they might go like maybe the farthest might be like, oh, he's just a different type of black nigga. Like, you know what I mean? The youngest the younger black people, I feel like they're more critical of a lot of figures. And I feel like they think people have to fall in this straight line. Especially as black people. I feel like we're more we're harder on our own than anything else. And I feel like with Donald Glover, I think I can see some black people viewing him as just not full black or just not all the way black or just not fully. I don't think Donald Glover has been fully embraced by black culture. I think there's a level of respect for him for sure. But I think similar to like Tyler, the creator, uh, Donald Glover. I don't think, I think Tyler creator is just now being embraced in a way, but I feel like that's because a lot of like Blake black straight niggas accept him now. So, yeah, I feel like Donald Glover has a complicated relationship with the black community for sure. And hopefully he wrote this as a way to just remind himself like it's okay to be you, and you might be the one to advance, progress your own people. I'm not talking about economically or anything. I'm talking about like into like not even intellectually, but just like advance their mindsets, open their worlds, open their possibilities. Even if you might not be fully accepted by your own people, at least you can use yourself as a way to help you know what I mean, and kind of not making it knowing who you are, but not making it about yourself, not making it about, well, how they feel this way and what and I feel like I got it because I think that makes it easy for you to end up being somebody that you're not because you're you're investing too much in what people think. And yes, there's always going to be a hurt, I feel like, if, you know, your own people don't accept you. But at the end of the day, you can only do you and you can only control and change what you can do and change what you want to change. So I think overall, this is kind of like a good story that conveys his legacy so far. And I think it's fitting to do that in the final season of Atlantic. So I think, yes, this was a parallel to Donald Glover, but I I want, I'm taking it in as kind of a cautionary tale for, and I'm only speaking for the black boys, black men, for the black boys, black men, I can only speak for the cis black boys, cis black men, that feel different, especially queer black men, that feel different and know that difference is your, that's your power. You know, that's your power. So that's all I have to say. You did it again, Donald. You did it again. Each episode, not each episode, but most episodes this season have been my favorite for different reasons. And I love that. (laughs) I love that. I love that. I love that. Now we have two more episodes left episode nine and episode 10. And. After that, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. Episode 9, I think, premieres this week. So it's, it looks like it's going to be an Owl-centric. I try not to watch the trailers, but it looks like this one is going to be an alcentric centric one. But, yeah, that is the end of this episode. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed the last episode. Please definitely tune in to that with my girl, Evity, where we talk about Snipe Hunt. And, you know, be sure to like, subscribe, comment, share do what you can. And as always, thank you for listening. I love y'all to whoever's listening and who's ever just supporting and just enjoying the shit that I'm bringing. Yeah. Love y'all. Bye.